Specifically, my name is Max McCauley. I am one of your hosts. Your other host, well, his name is David Nash, and he joins me right now. David, how are you doing? I'm good, Max. How are you? I'm actually doing fantastically. You know why? Why is that? Because we're nerding out over one of my favorite subjects in the world today. It's fake NBA trades. And it's, I love them. It's been too long since we last spoke, so uh, it has. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. You were gone for what? Two weeks on our work trip? I was gone for two weeks, and you know we can we can spoil the secret now. The first two pods were recorded, you know, essentially together. So our first time ever recording. Um, the secret might have been uh, might have been spoiled when I told everybody that in the in the disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will, uh, you know, jump into our second official recording and our, and our third official pod, and I'm looking forward to it. I've watched uh, a lot of tape. I've just spent. 20 hours on a on an airplane and uh, didn't watch the entertainment system once because I was watching a, a hell of a lot of uh, prospect film on my computer. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. Excellent. Well, I'm excited about it too. So yeah. So a- as I said, uh, leading in, we're gonna we're gonna start this episode with with fake trades, specifically draft day trades. And you know, as we're want to do on this podcast, we're gonna do both league-wide stuff, and Sun-specific stuff. We'll have trades for both. Uh, once we're finished with that, we're going to move on to the guys who are actually in this draft. We're going to be doing mostly options for number 31, but you know a lot of the guys at number 31 could also be taken at 16. That whole, that whole range is pretty messy. Uh, after we do that, we're probably going to move on to the 59 pick. I'm not going to spend much time on the 59 pick, Dave. I know you have a few names. I have one name, so I don't know if we're going to spend a ton of time on that. I'm going to throw some some really wild names out there and see if one of them sticks. Excellent. That's 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 really all you can hope for with 59. Exactly. Uh, and then we're going to finish up with the seven seconds or se- or less segment, as always. Uh, this episode, it's David's turn. He's going to throw three questions at me. Uh, I've not prepared for any of them, and I only have seven seconds to answer them, so that should be fun. But before we get started with any of that stuff, we're going to start with David regaling us with a tale of Suns past in his recurring segment, Did You Know? Thanks, Max. Uh, recently had someone bring the, the old Grant Law, Grantland War Room video to me. I don't know if you ever saw that, Max, the uh, the famous or infamous Kings one from the uh, Stauskas. Oh, Stauskas, Stauskas, Stauskas. Exactly. <laughs> I thought it, was, uh, thought it was gone from the internet world forever because I hadn't been able to find it for quite a while, but... Uh, someone sent it to me, and I, I delve back into that world, which um, is is fascinating. For anyone who hasn't seen it, you should definitely uh, try and check it out on YouTube. For um, all of Vivek's faults, you can't say he's not enthusiastic. <laughs> he's very enthusiastic, uh, and you'll see it in that video for sure. Uh, to briefly describe it, it's kind of this little three-part series where 
the Kings essentially tried to crowdsource their pick in the draft. Um, they involved some fans and, and their front office, and um, I won't give it all away, but they ended up taking Stauskas, as we said, and uh, there's some pretty cringy Vivek moments in there. Um, <laughs> anyway, you know, you get the the suggested YouTube videos after you've finished watching one and kind of one led to another and all of a sudden I'd watched a, a Boston War Room video, a Bucks War Room video, a, a Blazers one, which was quite good actually. Um, what was the Blazers one uh, for? The Blazers one was when they landed CJ and Crab. Um, and kind of had to make some moves to do that and, and were hoping that CJ was going to slide to pick 10, I think it was. So hmm. um, yeah, that one, that one was pretty cool. Um, so this is a bit of a, a two-part did you know, Max. Um, did you know that the Suns almost had Steph Curry in 2009? I did know that. I think most Suns fans know that. It seems to come up on Twitter or, or in an article every now and then. <laughs> uh, so it was the what, what we call the failed Curry trade, uh, which ended up being pick 14 and Stoudemire for Curry. And depending on whose version of events you believe, uh, the Warriors essentially backed out when it got to to their pick because uh, I think the Suns were very excited that Curry was on the board, but uh, the Warriors were were even more excited and and perhaps didn't expect it. Wise of them to be excited about that. Yeah, and probably worth uh, reneging on any deal that they might have had. But oh yeah, can you tell me, Max? It's a extra uh, extra trick question here for you. Can you tell me who the Suns picked with number fourteen in the end? Oh, what year is it? Oh, I think I think I actually I might know. Is it was it Earl Clark? It was Earl Clark. He two from okay. two. Not bad, not bad. I remember watching him in summer league that year. I actually went to summer league that year, and uh, he was unimpressive. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> uh, just as a aside, I'm very jealous that you went to summer league. Uh, I'm going again too. That's, that's one more than me. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so that was a one that didn't go ahead and, and, a, and a draft mm-hmm. day trade that didn't go ahead, which as I'm sure everyone can see where I'm going with this, we're, we're going into some some draft day trades after this. But I'm throwing in a, a little bit of a bonus there. And uh, one trade that in recent times that did go ahead was Marquise Chris in 2016, of course. Can you remember the exact package that the Suns um, used? So it was number... Th- 13, which Kings took Papianis with. Yep. It was, was it 27? 28, not which, bad, not bad. 28, okay. They they took Skull with that. Yep. And then it was uh, it was uh, our good friend Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? And a 2022nd, just to oh. throw that in there. <laughs> okay, just to, well, I'm, I'm really nervous about what that's going to be. Yeah, just to rub <laughs> some salt into the wounds there, but... Uh. Did you know, Max, and, and everyone listening, that essentially means that the Suns traded Markeith Morris, which they got 13 for, Isaiah Thomas, which they got 28 for, Marcus Morris and Reggie Bullock, which they got the 2022nd for, mm. and the draft rights to Bogdan Bogdanovich. So that is wow. the package that got us Marquise Chris. And I, for one, hope Chris can can have a better year this year and, and really bounce <laughs> yeah. back because that's a hell of a lot to give up to just, I was just trade about up. To say, I really I really hope he improves a little bit after, after looking at it that way. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what the Kings ended up with 
you could kind of go maybe Bogdan's the only thing that the Suns will end up kind of missing from that, but... Uh, I, I would say so far, Bogdan is by far the best part of that entire trade, right? Yeah, but if yeah, if you go back one step further and, and realize kind of all those current players that we that we gave up, um, it hurts a little. It does, but the reason why it doesn't hurt as much is because, like I said, the only guy in that trade who I think has really shown out has been Bogdan, and he, you know, Bogdan would be good on the Suns, I suppose, but he kind of plays the exact same position Devin Booker does, so. Yeah, and I think that's why they were willing to throw him in in the end. Yeah, so do, so do I. That makes sense. All right. Well, that that's it, Max. That was great. Uh, we'll transition right from that to other draft day trades, fake ones that we're going to be predicting. I love um, a fake trade. The first one actually involves one Marquise Chris to an extent. Okay, I'm interested. So I know you saw over the weekend, and most of the people who are listening to this probably, probably saw over the weekend that... Uh, John, I, was, I believe it was Jonathan Wasserman at Bleacher Report reported that the Suns are trying to figure out a way to either interview or have dinner with or work out uh, Trey Young. Yep. Certain point guard from Oklahoma. Uh, and obviously, you know, that got me excited. I'm, I'm a big Trey Young fan, so I started to think about how, how could we possibly get him to Phoenix? Okay, okay. So I, I look at the teams, you know, drafting sort of from the, in the mid-lottery. Uh, and, and a lot of those teams I don't really see interested in training back. The one that kind of stands out to me, though, is Cleveland. And the reason I say that is because Cleveland, they need future assets, right? I mean, I think, so I'm going to go ahead and assume for purposes of this that LeBron's leaving. Yeah. Uh, I think yep. that's kind of a fair assumption. <laughs> yeah. They, so number eight's great, but they, it's kind of all they have. They're missing a lot of their first-round picks going forward. They don't have a lot of good young players. Is, is number eight really what you're going to build your entire future around? I've definitely yeah thought about this and and it kind of comes up in one for me a bit later and yeah mul- multiple assets rather than just the eight depending on who's there on the board is is probably you know a way that the Cavs could go. Yeah, exactly. Because if you if you miss on that one pick, that's that's all you got. Then after that, you're just you're building with nothing. Yeah, and you're not getting LeBron at number eight, unfortunately. I don't I don't think you are at least. Uh, so here's the idea that I have. Phoenix. Sends Marquise Chris, Alan Williams, Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley, Tyler Eulis, number 16, Milwaukee pick, and a top three protected 2019 pick. And that, that might, that seems like an overpay, right? Just for number eight, it would be, right? I think so. But there's a reason why there's all that salary included. You're not just getting number eight, you're getting Kevin Love. Okay, okay, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. There's uh there's a lot in there as far as draft package goes, draft picks go. Um you didn't really mention any players that I'm, you know, too disappointed to lose, particularly if someone like Kevin Love's coming back. So um yeah, I could get around it, as I like to say. I mean the the defense would be awful because you'd be running out a lineup of Trey Young, Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, Kevin Love. And DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> but it'd be really fun to watch, right? All you need to do is score more points, Max. <laughs> they would score a lot of points, I think, right? <laughs> they definitely would. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's a, it's a big one. It, it would uh, certainly put shockwaves through the, through the draft. Um, but, you know, it's not the craziest idea I've, I've heard this year, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think the one reason people might be be wondering why Cleveland would be willing to give up Kevin Love, I, I think if if 
if LeBron goes away, they're going to be trading him anyway. Yeah, and there's been reports um, this yeah. week kind of, you know, hinting at that already. Is uh, Yeah, he's not long for there if, I think, if LeBron leaves. I think those two have definitely played their last game together. Unless he somehow gets traded somewhere that, you know, uh, LeBron sorry. decides to join. You, I was about to say you missed you missed the second part of it. I said LeBron's going to sign with the Suns when this happens. Later. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, I retract my statement. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, your turn. What do you got? All right, if you're going to go with with a big one from the top, I should. Uh, I might. I've I got a love one too. Unfortunately, it's it's not with him ending up in Phoenix, um, but it is a big one. So I'll go with that one first. So I'm looking at Utah at the moment and. I think they're going to let Favors walk, I think. Um, him and Gobert, have, you know, they've had their moments, but it's it's not a great pairing going forward mm-hmm. and, um, after what they did this season and, and Donovan Mitchell on the rise. Uh, you know, they might look to make a move that kind of solidifies their playoff spot again. So I'm, that uh, makes sense. I'm trying to reunite Kevin Love and, and Ricky Rubio in, in Utah of all places. So... Mm. You'll have to stick with me here. It's not quite as big as yours, but uh, there are a few moving parts. So Utah ends up with Kevin Love, just straight up. That's that's all they get. Cleveland ends up with Kenneth Fareed, Burks, number 14 and number 21 in this year's draft. Okay. And Denver, as you probably can imagine, with Fareed's name linked, ends up with Cephalosha and Jonas Jerebko. Okay. See, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for everyone. I'm thinking that... Cle- so Cleveland obviously gets a couple of picks in this draft, and they, and they get rid of uh, Love's contract. So it's one thing that Cleveland's going to be trying to do is is cutting money. If Correct. Finally, right? Correct. And that's a good way for them to do that. Uh Denver, I like it because Denver. I mean, Denver's getting rid of Fareed, right? They're going to dump that. They're that... getting rid of Fareed. It's costing them fourteen, but most yeah. notably, uh, Cephalosha and Jarebko are both non-guaranteed, and at, oh. at pretty good numbers too. Off the top of my head, I think Cephalosha's around five and Jarebko's around four. So that's about. They could also use Cephalosha too if he's like in good shape, right? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of like that's that's nine million in salary that they could clear if. You know, they've obviously got Jokic they need to max out this summer and and a few other pieces. But if they could make it work, both of those guys, you know, are are worth keeping around if if you don't need to waive them. So I really like the flexibility. I didn't love the initial report of them giving up 14 just to clear Fareed. Um, Mm -hmm. But I kind of like both of those guys because it gives them the flexibility of, of going either way. Yeah, I like that because they, you're, like you said, they kind of they, they need wing talent, and I feel like they can keep like one of those guys, like figure out which one they want more, and cut the other one. Exactly. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, probably the only thing for me, and I've I've kind of got it noted here. Um, I didn't mention it straight away. Is you know maybe Cleveland needs to get something else because they are taking on you know Fareed and Burks both last year of their contract, but at, at some pretty big money and and being rewarded with you know, 14 and, and 21 to kind of do so, which which means they're not getting a hell of a lot extra for giving up, right. you know, the best player, the, by far the best player in the deal. So, you know, maybe there's a protected first in there from Utah, but then, you know, it gets that maybe Utah's giving up a little bit much. But, um, yeah, that would that would be my only footnote to the deal. And another note of that, and another reason why I think they would they would make the Kevin Love trade I mentioned earlier is 
they need to be bad next year, right? I think they have their first round pick goes to Atlanta if it's not in the top ten or something like that. That's exactly correct. Yeah, so they're gonna want to be bad. They sure are. Cool. Uh, all right. What's I'll move your on next, to my next one? one? This is a league wide trade, not a Suns trade, but it's a pretty big one. It's it's a three way. Okay. okay. Okay, so it's New Orleans, Washington, and Philadelphia. New Orleans signs and trades Marcus Cousins to Washington. Mm-hmm. Washington sends Bradley Beal to Philadelphia. Philadelphia sends number 10 to Washington. Robert Covington, and then like basically salary filler, maybe like TLC or something like that, to New Orleans. So New Orleans ends up with uh, Robert Covington. And they kind of trash. They, they get a nice wing guy. Washington ends up with Cousins, who is obviously, you know, famous linkage to John Wall. Yep. And number 10. Yeah. Philadelphia gets Bradley Beal, who, you know, could be the, the scoring sort of secondary ball handler that they really need. What do you think? I like it. Um, I'd have to double check on a few things with the with the sign and trade, but I'm sure you've done your research there. I went to the Larry Coon uh, FAQ, and it didn't seem like there's anything illegal about this. Okay, <laughs> I, I know that there's anyway. like a you know a half salary um, provision when it comes to to sign and trades, um, but yeah, that would kind of be my only thing worth looking at. But I'm sure they could work it out. And if it was something that they really wanted to do, the main pieces are obviously what the the big concern is. Um, right, exactly. I do think that Covington is. You know, a guy that Philly are going to look to move at some point because I think his contract's very valuable. And, you know, if they look for a wing or, or another big piece to add to that team, I think he's the guy kind of in line to go. Um, I think that Boogie's time in New Orleans is is pretty much up. You know, there was the Zach Lowe report that they're probably going to re-sign him just to trade him. Um, and Washington probably has to split Bill and Wall up at some point. So I think it makes a lot of sense for, for all the teams involved, for sure. I don't think I would do it if I were Washington, but I could see them doing it. Yeah. I mean, getting... did you? They get 10 and Boogie, They right? get 10, yeah. They get 10 and Boogie. That's, so that helps. That's pretty good value for, for a guy like Bill. I don't know if you're going to get what would you do? What would you do at 10 if you were them? In, in yeah, the well, I was deal. just thinking about that. Um, I know we picked... We picked Zare for Philly originally in our mock, and mm-hmm. um, you know he's starting to slide on a few people's boards. You know, I've probably even slid him back a couple of spots. Oh, really? Um, but you know, they they would certainly have a whole heap of options around ten. Um, just looking I at think my, one of the bridges, board, one of the bridges, could be really interesting there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just looking at my big board now. I've got you know the bridges judges at nine and ten, um, and then probably a few pieces after that that don't really make sense for Washington. So, you know, yeah, the point guards you wouldn't be interested in. Exactly. I mean, they, they're going to end up with, let's say, one of Porter, McCall, and Miles, and they're all pretty uh, pretty nice fits in Washington. Might, you know, ail a few problems that they, that they have. So, um, yeah, I like it. You could run a pretty fun lineup out there with, like, Wall, Otto Porter... Uh, Mikael Bridges and Akeli Oubre, you know, and Marcus. Like that's kind of a fun modern lineup. Very fun. Cool. All right, what you got next? All right, let's switch to Phoenix now. Okay. Um, 
as you'll probably notice, I, I looked at kind of some similar guys. There's some common threads here. Um, I think there will be a lot of action on on draft night and and leading up to the um, to the next season. So we might get lucky and get one of these right. But I'm going back to Denver <laughs> and back to Fareed and, and that report of them willing to give up 14 to to get off his contract. And I'm going to make that trade with the Suns. So the Suns get. Fareed and pick 14 from Denver in exchange for Alan Williams. Um, I believe the Suns can afford to make this trade with, with more salary coming in than what's going out, and it'll uh, it'll save Denver some money too. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that Alan Williams is, is likely waived by Denver. Um, <laughs> Very likely, yeah. Before July 6, which I think is his uh, wave date. Or, or guarantee date, I should say, uh, which is a very interesting date as an aside. I think he's uh, he's th- that's there for a reason and the Suns' plans. So, um, yeah, yeah, we we'll see what happens there. Um, but then, as an extension of that, I think the Suns would do something like that to package fourteen and sixteen together to jump up. Um, I was just gonna say, right? Because there's no way they want to make that pick, but it makes sense that that was something. Like a precursor. Yeah, they're not bringing in two extra guys. I think they're purely looking at... And this is a deal I think they would have set up prior to the draft with Denver based on you know what's happening and, and what's happened in that top probably 10. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if 14 and 16 gets you you know right up there, but um, one, one place that I do think it could get you to is, is 11 with Charlotte, which is about where I think you'd need to get to. Um, so... What I'm getting at there is the Clippers have 12 and 13, so mm-hmm. and, and and potentially be looking at a point guard at one of those positions. So uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but someone very smartly noted that if you if you're looking to jump up for a guy like SGA, you probably need to get in front of the Clippers because mm-hmm. either the Clippers are going to pick him with one of their two picks. Or there's going to be a whole host of teams calling the Clippers for right. one of those picks. So you need to yep. jump before those picks. And I think that's the spot. So essentially with this trade, you're taking on Fareed, you're losing Alan Williams, and you're packaging your two picks together to draft someone like SGA. And, and I'd be uh, all for a deal like that. What do you think? Yeah, I would do it. I, I don't think it's really that big of a deal to take on Fareed for the Suns. Um, he'd play, right? He might play. Yeah. I mean, he plays the same position as Bender and Chris, obviously, but I don't know. I, I would do it. If, if they really find someone they love and they, and they don't think he'll be there at 16, I think it's a worthwhile uh, move to make. Yep. Um, I, I I don't know if I love Shay as much as everybody else does. So I don't know if I personally would do it for him. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna fight a little later on that. Maybe. Are we? <laughs> I don't I don't dislike Shay. I just think that you're there's a lot of questions with him that you're assuming he's gonna fill. Okay, let's let's get to that in a bit. Okay, let's get to that in a bit. All right, I'll move on to the next one then. Okay, so this is a pretty ridiculous one, and I don't think it's gonna happen. In fact, I know it's not gonna happen, but it's fun to talk about. So okay. I'm gonna bring it up. So, one thing I kept thinking about when everyone was talking about Carl Anthony Towns to the Suns was if Minnesota actually did have to trade Carl Anthony Towns, for say, because, I don't know, he insulted the owner's wife or something. Like, <laughs> is there some reason why they actually had to trade him? 
That's one um, way to get traded. They're not going to trade him just because he insults Tibbs' wife, right? It's going to have to be the owner's wife. Yes. <laughs> uh, so but what I kept thinking was, I don't think Minnesota does that just for number one, and I don't think the Suns would give up number one and Josh Jackson. Okay. But I also think if Minnesota trades Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, like he's not long for there, right? He's a free agent in 2019. So they're going to have to sort of either deal him or just let him walk, right? Yep. So why not send Towns and Butler to Phoenix Ooh. for number one, Josh Jackson, 16, Milwaukee pick, Marquise Chris, Alan Williams, Tyson Chandler. What do you think? You weren't lying about it being pretty crazy. It's crazy. Um, what I will say is, you know, there's a lot of those deals floating around in Twitter land and where, you know, the Suns go all in, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, and, and give up most of the, their assets that they're holding on to. Um, that's the kind of package that you probably have to do it for, to be honest. Because um, you're good. You are you are good next year if your team has Booker. Exactly. And, and, and that's kind of what I was getting at, is I'd want to be very, very good next year if we're giving up all of our kind of future flexibility when it comes to to making further moves. So I haven't really liked any of the deals that I've seen out there that are kind of resulting in us giving up, you know, our own picks, the Milwaukee pick, even the Miami pick I've seen in some of them because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's generally only getting us one big player whilst, you know, often losing someone like a Jackson. So you don't, you don't get all that much better and, and you lose all that kind of, um, you know, treasure chest to, to play with moving forward to tinker your team. So, uh, yeah, what I would say is it's pretty crazy. Um, but, you know, if you're going to give up all of those assets, I think you need to get, you know, two players or, you know, a top five player in the NBA back. So would you say that you would do it? It's crazy, but you would do it if it were a thing? In a pinch, yes. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Jimmy Bucket's um, and, you know, I think we're all hoping Towns and Booker can, can reunite one day, hopefully in, in purple and orange. So yeah, I was kind of inevitable. I'm not going to lie. I kind of think it's going to happen someday. I think it's going to happen someday. I'm not convinced it's, it's in purple and orange. Um, so that would be my only hesitation there, well, but that was depressing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've always got to bring it back to a, a depressing moment as a Suns fan. Come on, that um, is true. That is our uh, our mo. But yeah, I would do it if if the phone called and and uh, you know I had a couple of minutes to decide. I, I would definitely do it. Cool. Okay, why don't you bring us back down to earth with a with something a little more realistic? All right, we're going very realistic here. At least I think so. Um, going to pick 16 again and as you're probably noticing I, I don't really have a lot of hope that the Suns are going to draft at pick 16 so what I'm doing here is I'm going back to the Clippers and their package with 12 and 13 and and kind of reading the tea leaves here a little bit so I'm thinking the Clippers might use 12 and 13 as, as recent reports have suggested to, to jump up in the draft. Um, I'm not sure it gets them high enough to get someone like Luka Doncic as that, you know, has been reported, but, um, you know, they, yeah, I don't see that. We talked about in our first couple of pods that it's kind of like an eight person draft, an eight guy draft. 
uh, you know, guys like Trey Young and, and Michael Porter Jr. will be sitting around there at eight. So I could see them grabbing one of those two guys with a, with a package of 12 and 13. Um, but, you know, as we noted with Cleveland, you know, one guy isn't going to change your franchise, particularly around eight. So um, I think they might look to grab another pick, um, even though it's a, an eight top kind of tier draft. There are some really good guys around um, the late lottery. So I've got Patrick Beverly to Phoenix for pick 16. Okay. Um, I think the Clippers, you know, trade up for someone like Young um, or look to get Sexton or SGA at 16. Um, and they've also obviously got Tay Dosic on a, on a team option, I believe. So they could roll with him next year as the starting point guard and um, probably be pretty happy to lose Beverly for 16 because he's only got one year left at 5 million, which, you know, is a bit of a question mark for the Suns. So, um, you know, this deal would really be if the Suns are trying to do their best to to compete next year and, and put a, re- a team around Booker. So, yeah, I would say probably more unlikely the Suns don't do it if, than any team. But, um, you know, I would I would happily pull the trigger on, the, on that trade. What do you think? I would too. Uh, Beverly is almost ideal when you're talking about someone you want to put next to Devin Booker because he can guard any of the, the better perimeter players that Booker can't guard. Yep. Uh, he can hit wide open threes. Yep. He's also, he'll bring an element of just toughness and scrappiness the Suns just don't have. Agreed. Uh, outside of Jack, Jackson has it a little bit, but he's a, he's a rookie last year. I mean, you can't expect that a rookie to do to bring that for your whole team. Yeah. Beverly would really change the culture. He would. And uh, I think that might be a, a nice segue into our, our next topic of conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go on. But uh, I, uh, before we go on, I, I want to say I like that one. That was a good one. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, so our next thing is going to be draft draft prospects at pick 31 and a little bit of 16 just because, like I said earlier, there's a little bit of overlap. Yep. Uh, I'm going to turn this to David. He's going to run this because David has put together his little mini big board of uh, Booker partners at, at pick 16 slash 31. Yeah, so I think talking about Patrick Beverly is, is, as I said, a very good segue into this because – um, you know, if we look at Booker as, you know, a, a James Harden type, I'm not saying he's James Harden. No one jumped down my throat with, with that kind of call, but I think that's definitely where the Suns are going with Booker. Uh, Chris Hansen would say that he's much better than James Harden. <laughs> well, as I said, he, I said he's not James Harden. I didn't say whether he was better or <laughs> that's worse. That's true. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to please both sides there. Um, but, you know, I think Patrick Beverly is the kind of guy that you would – love to pair with Booker like they paired him with James Harden. But eventually, you know, the Rockets got off that because they realized that they needed, um, you know, maybe someone a little more dynamic and, and really hit the, the jackpot with Chris Paul there. But Yeah, I was going to say, well, yeah, they, they realized they had a chance to get Chris Paul. That's why they decided to move Exactly. On but it did work for a long time and it worked for them, you know, heading, heading into the playoffs and, and being a, a very good regular season team. So, I mean, looking at Beverly, I think you're kind of looking – at a really unique player to put next to Booker. You want someone, um, to quote Mo Bamba here, someone who, uh, you know, does more with less, someone who can play off the ball, but do a little bit of secondary playmaking. Uh, you definitely want them to be able to shoot from deep and you want them to be a really good defender. They can probably guard the one, the two, and, you know, maybe even the three if possible. So I think, 
I think there's about half a dozen guys in this draft that kind of fit that profile. Um, okay. The problem is none of them bring every single one of those things. And, you know, the fact is if, if they did, they'd probably be a lot higher in the draft. So <laughs> right. um, you, you're looking at, you know, trying to bank on one or two of them improving the worst aspect of those three in their game. Um, but yeah, I've kind of created a little bit of a, a mini board here and I, I haven't really shared this with you before, so I'll be interested to get you your takes not. on it. So my my board, as far as this kind of player goes, I've got SGA at one. I've got Kyrie Thomas at two, who I picked in the, the last episode for the Suns at 16 and, and granted. You love him. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I'm happy to admit I've got him probably a little bit higher than, than most. Uh, I've got Milton at three. Okay. Melton at four. I've got Shamit at five, Brunson at six, and Carter at seven. What's your kind okay. of initial thoughts on, on that group of guys? Um, why isn't Melton higher? Is it because you don't trust his shooting? Yes. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> to say, but, but would you say, so let me, let me ask you this. Because in my view, if you just take shooting out of it, he's clearly the guy who's the best fit next to Booker. I would agree, but the shooting really yeah, I know. It hurts really his case. And as I said, like all of these guys, right up to SGA, they've all got, you know, probably one one of the three things that they need to work a lot on. Um, for Melton, mm. it's definitely his outside shot, and you really need a guy next to Booker that can hit, you know, at least an, an open catch and shoot three, which, you know, there's definitely. not a lot of evidence right now that Melton can. Not to say that he won't, but... But right now he he can't. Um, the reason that I, you know, obviously, I love Kyrie Thomas, for instance, more than a lot of other people, is when I look at those three boxes, and maybe I've got blinkers on a little bit with with this thinking. But um, you know, he can play off ball. He played off ball a lot uh, at Creighton. He can certainly shoot the three. Shot kind of forty one percent on you know, 5.8 attempts per 40 last season. He's a scorer. He's probably best suited as a secondary scorer. Uh, He can pass a little. And, you know, maybe outside of Melton of those seven guys, he's he's the best defensive prospect. Um, Right. Yeah. Well, I would say so. I agree with you in terms of versatility, multiple positions. I think the best one position defender is probably Carter, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, but he's yeah very much limited to to one position, which yeah, I think he's um, six feet without shoes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's a he's a bulldog. I I love Carter. Oh, yeah. He's he's a oh, guy he's that I would, um, yeah, very much love the Suns to take at fifty nine if he happens to be there at fifty nine. But I don't think he will oh, be. That would be amazing. Um, but I also, um even though it would be a little too early at 31, depending on what we do at 1 and 16, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be upset if the Suns took him at 31. I don't think there's such a thing as too early at 31, to be honest with you. If you're at 31, just pick the guy you think's the best guy. Exactly, and I think that's what the Suns are going to do. So do I. Uh, okay, here's a question I have for you. So you love Kyrie Thomas. You're the biggest Kyrie Thomas stan in the history of Kyrie Thomas. <laughs> Why do you have SGA above him? I have SGA above him purely because of upside. Okay. Uh, Thomas is is old in this class. Um, 
quite old, I think. I'm not sure where he ranks among kind of, you know, everyone in the top 30, but he is a, he's a, He's an older prospect, whereas SGA yeah, is... Yeah, 21, right? 21? Yeah, very much a younger prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love SGA's kind of physical tools. Um, he reminds me a lot, actually, of Dante Exum, um, which mm. some people might hate that comparison. But, um, you know, I watch, I've watched a lot of Exum being an Australian. Um, I think we've kind of got a very similar athletic profile. Um, they both have or both had question marks on their shot. Exxon probably still does. Um, but mm-hmm. very good finishes around the rim um, and, you know, really kind of have plus defensive upside. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I watch a lot of SGA and, and I see a bit of Exxon in him. And, and Exxon's a guy that I've kind of said in the past I wouldn't be too displeased if the Suns, um, you know, take a punt on him in restricted free agency. So, um, so. Can I tell you one thing that makes me a little nervous about Shea? Sure. I see the upside, obviously, the defensive upside because of his, his length, his frame, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I can't believe how much that dude gets blown by. Like, it's all the time. He does, and I've kind of got in my notes here, he, he was he was a lazy defender last year, I yeah. think. Um, you, you're banking a lot on his tools, and you know there is tape that you see when he's engaged um, with his kind of big wingspan. He, he is a good mm-hmm. defender when he wants to be. Um, he's obviously very light and, and can get blown by or, or pushed around a little. You'd, you'd definitely be hoping he can, um, you know, add some muscle to his frame. Um, but yeah, there's kind of, there's two two different SGAs out there when you watch his college tape. And there's a guy mm-hmm. that's, you know, not even in his stance, standing upright, just getting blown by just way too easily. And and then you see this this other guy who's, you know, down in, in proper defensive stance and is very hard to get around because of how long he is. I do think the fact that he's just not in his stance half the time is actually a little bit encouraging because the uh, an NBA coach might be able to just get him to just be in his stance, right? Yeah, and, you know, I've been very complimentary of, of Igor and, and the way he coaches young guys, but, you know, he is, is not going to stand for that. Um, no pun intended. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think with good coaching um, and a, and a guy that's quite hard on him, and he you know he'll be coming off the bench in Phoenix if they they did choose him there. So um, right. yeah, he's going to have to earn his minutes, and and probably one way that he will earn his minutes is is playing great defense against second units. So um, I love his fit with with either Aiton or Doncic at the top of the draft actually, um, because he will be coming off the bench uh, originally, um, and you know. If if the Suns do go eight, and which you know looks like they will, um, you know, looking longer term, he'd he'd be great fit in that kind of young core. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just his vision um, and his upside as as a bit of a floor general, I really love. I'm with you also on. I think he'd be nice with Doncic as well because he's so big and long that he's he can versatile. He can defend a lot of positions. Yeah. Um, and if you if you put a core together that has Booker, Doncic, and Jackson in it, you're going to want to have a lot of guys around them who can guard a lot of different people. Yeah, and I guess just coming back to your original question, you know, we're talking about a bit of a unicorn here and being able to tick all those boxes, and and that's why SGA is at the top for me because he's he is um, you know he probably has the best chance of ticking all those boxes. You know, say five years into his career, the shot is the the, yeah. the one that's you know he needs to work on. 
Um, but I think there's something it's not to work awful, on though. There. No, it's not. I mean, it's quite good percentage-wise. It's obviously very low attempts, um, which mm-hmm. is, is the query. But there's definitely something on to work there for sure. So, all right, here's my next question. Why do you hate Landry Shaman? I don't hate Landry Shaman. Uh, all right, then why I are you slandering few... him by having him like six or whatever you had him on your board? <laughs> To be clear, I will I'll kind of, you know, go full disclosure here. I've got him at 29 on my big board and I've obviously got okay. him fifth on this on this mini board. I think this mini board probably does him a little bit of a, a disservice purely because, you know, he's that low because he probably only ticks one, maybe one and a half of the boxes um, at the moment. I think you're probably obviously higher mm, on his We're going to fight. Defense. Yeah, we're going to fight. We're going. Um, but, I mean, to... I'll, I'll raise a, a few question marks for you to kind of come at, at back at me with. So uh, I don't like the foot issues. Um, and that is kind of a big question mark for me choosing him, say, at 16 in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a willing defender, but I think he kind of gets, you know, his potential gets capped out there a little bit. So the fit with Booker's, for, for mine anyway, is a little bit questionable. Uh, I love his shooting, obviously. Um, and I think, you know, his college career was very much an emotion type offense, which I, you know, I love for, for Igor and what he's probably going to implement. So I, I definitely see a lot of positives there. It's just, uh, you know, it's maybe the injury history and, um, you know, his fit with Booker, particularly from a defensive standpoint that I don't love. Yeah. And so I, that's the one thing I, I do get that because he wasn't a particularly good defender in college, mainly because he just isn't very strong or wasn't very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he has the size. He measured six four without shoes, six five and a quarter in shoes. Had a six seven wingspan. A little disappointing. We were kind of hoping he would have higher than that. Yep. Um, but it's that's still good size. The issue is that he's like paper thin, right? Yeah. And I I actually heard uh, he worked out with the Suns. What was it? I think it was about a week and a half ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And what I heard was I think it was I was one of the assistant GMs. I can't remember which one. Was talking about how impressed he was by how much Shamit had already bulked up, which gives me a lot of uh, hope that he could become, you know, a, a better defender. Yeah. Um, but here's, I think, what people are sleeping on Shamit. And full disclosure, I am Shamit Sand, right? <laughs> I'm obsessed with this And that's guy. fine. We, I have, we all him. have our favorites. We all have our favorites. I think I, he's like 10 or 11 for me on a big board. So I am all wow. in on Landry Shamit. He shot 44% from three, 80% from free throw. 65 and a half true shooting. He had a 28.8% assist percentage. The, the guy is just incredibly efficient. I believe he's in the in the 90th, one of those 90th percentiles uh, in terms of pick and roll efficiency. He's, in terms of he's, points for pick and roll possession. Yeah, he's very good in the pick and roll. He's very good at it. I think one of the reasons why he went under the radar a bit is because of what you mentioned. He was in the motion offense. And, like, he didn't have a very high usage. He only had like a 20, a 20 usage. Yeah, his stats don't really jump off the page from that perspective, which, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think kind of does him a bit of a disservice with with what he is as a player. Exactly right. I think if they, he would have been, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say he's like Trey Young usage, but if he would have had something in the middle somewhere, I think he would have had a lot more eye popping stats. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of latent offensive upside with Shamit that people are overlooking because, th- th- like you said, that dude can shoot the hell out of the ball. He sure can. Yeah. I mean, him and Booker together, that's that's a hell of a of a uh, you know Splash Brothers type combo. Um, the only thing I will say, and and probably the last thing that I um, that I'll say on on Landry is. 
I think he's struggled a little bit to penetrate on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, his pick and roll is great. Don't get me wrong, but it, it generally ends up in finding in his own shot. Um, you know, or, or making a great pass to to the rolling big or, or popping big. There's not a lot of it if you watch him that kind of results in him attacking the basket, right? Uh, and that might be to do with his size, and you know maybe that changes in the NBA if he can you know put on a little bit of bit of extra. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of his first step is not great, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe he'll get better explosions as he, as he, as he gets in an NBA training program. We'll see. I, I think he can be success, successful without that. Yep. But if that comes, if he can improve on the athleticism, improve on the strength, I think there's a – I'm going to say there's a star upside with him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've obviously – you've got him very high, so uh, I'm not going to argue with with that being his, his ceiling, but – uh, yeah, there's just probably a few question marks which I struggle to put him, you know, kind of up there. But you you make a good case for him being at least a lot higher than what I've got him on my board at the moment. Yeah, well, you're much closer to the, to the general consensus than I am. This is uh, true. But I think we could both agree it, it would not be a bad pick at number 31, right? Yes. Yeah, I would be. I'd be ecstatic with him at 31 if he was there. Um, again, which depending. Is possible. Yeah, I think it's possible. You know, those question marks that I raise, if, if teams are really worried about the foot issues and a few other things, um, and I, I know he had an amazing workout for the Suns, so... Um, he did, yeah. You know, that... He had a bad combine, though. Yeah, exactly. So maybe the Suns, you know, really hope that he's there at 31 and, and hope that everyone else is kind of um, off the scent, so to speak. Yeah, well, it would make me happy. <laughs> All right, so is there anything else you want to talk about with uh, these guys? You want to move on to the uh, 59 guys? I'll touch on a couple of things real quick, obviously, just okay. to, to, to round out the big board. Um, say the reason I love Milton more than Melton is is the shot. I think they've both got positives against the other. Um, but uh, I'm quite high on Milton. He's got a really good. He's really good shooter. Yeah, he's a great shooter. And again, like if you're looking at all the, you know, defense is probably the first thing that you're looking at next to Booker. Um, mm. But yeah, the shots probably next, and then you know the the secondary playmaking and stuff. As long as they can handle a little and have a bit of experience in the pick and roll, which which Milton certainly does. Um, you know, it's probably third on the list of, of things. Um, but you know, I'll kind of just to finish on Milton. I'll, I'll go to the Ringer in their draft. Um, you know prospectus and kind of the way they sum up Milton is as a multi-positional defender best suited as a complementary score in a democratic offense if that doesn't sum up <laughs> if that doesn't a democratic offense huh? if that doesn't sum up partnering with Booker in Igor's offense I don't know what does because yeah that's pretty perfect that's kind of what they're <laughs> going to be doing next year so um yeah he ticks a lot of boxes there uh, we touched on Carter briefly, but yeah, I, I really like him kind of around that 31 mark if he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his defense is phenomenal. He gave... You know, oh, it's so good. He gave Trey Young and, and, and Nigel Goss kind of both fits last college season. So um, one thing I think the Steepian noted was he, he played 32 minutes a night for West Virginia, um, which is is probably more like thirty eight on a on a regular team because they press a lot and play really mm-hmm. fast and uh, you know no other guards broken twenty five minutes a night for that West Virginia team in the last two seasons so wow um, you know he's he's just all effort um, and, and and all defense and he's a monster I, I really love him 
And he also one thing I love about him too is I was looking at his stats earlier today, and he has really improved himself as a shooter in his time there. Yep. Uh, you can tell he worked on it really hard. He was 39% from three last year, 86% from the line. Yep. I think he jumped from like 78 to 86% from the line, which I love seeing that from a guy like him. That That's exactly what you need. Yeah, I, I love him. I've, I've only got Brunson ahead of him just because of Brunson's kind of, you know, better pure point guard skills. I've seen a lot of people say that Brunson's going to be like this, like, you know, breakout star. I don't know if I see that, but I do like him a lot. I don't know about breakout star, but I, I love Bronson. Um, I love guys with that kind of championship pedigree too. What do you think about? Do you think his post up thing is going to work in the NBA? It's interesting. I've kind of I've got it in my notes here, but um, yeah, I don't think it's something that teams are going to go towards a lot. Um, I right. love I love that he loves to do it, and I think it really mm-hmm. changes the floor sometimes when it when a point guard like that is is willing to go down there and just kind of throw throw the defense off a little bit. Um, well, you know what it reminds me of a little bit is it, Brunson's not the same as this guy at all, much, much, much smaller, but that's kind of what Sean Livingston does for the Warriors is uh, backup units. He will do a little bit of that post-up stuff. Very much so, yeah. Um, and he, he loves to draw fouls too. Um, mm-hmm. Loves a four-point play. Just throw out there for my, my Twitter hand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, another guy that I really like at 31, if they if they decide to go in a different direction at 16, um, you know, as we touched on before, there's every chance that the Suns trade 16. Uh, we're probably not going to touch on some other guys but at that pick, but you know, I could see them maybe going for someone like Kevin Herter or something at 16, just a pure shooter, mm-hmm. and then the pressure's really on to maybe get this kind of combo guy at 31, and, and if Brunson's there, I would definitely take him. Um, and I just love a kind of beautiful lefty stroke. No hesitation. Yeah, he's just he's so fun to watch. He just kind of... There's just so many guys in this draft like that. Who I just I just love them. You know what I mean? Everyone we're talking about right now, I'd be so pumped if any of them were in the Suns. It's it's which such is why nice it's going to be so sad when they take Aaron Holiday. Yeah, which is is probably a nice segue actually. Uh, I mean, as far as other first rounders go, and and then some options at 59. What I'm kind of doing here is is really looking for clues in what the Suns have done, kind of at the combine and and in their workouts so far and. Okay. Um, by the time this goes out, that you know there might be another workout, but it sounds like there's going to be a bit of, br- of a break after all the number one guys have come through, and um, you know there's there's some names that you can kind of look to clues in. Uh, I don't think Ryan McDonough really drafts guys without working them out uh, in their own facility. I think kind of history suggests that. Uh, and the guy that you just mentioned, Aaron Holiday, is is the only guy who has come in twice so far for the Suns. That might change. We'll probably bring him in at the end of next week, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he was also interviewed at the Combine, uh, which is notable because, you, you know, I think of the 20 guys the Suns interviewed, a lot of them were in that top 10. Um, and then, you know, there's some interesting names and, and some guys that haven't come in yet as well, which we might look to with the end of workouts. Guys like Wagner um, haven't come in for the Suns yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of others too. I think Mitchell Robinson's another one. Zaire Smith, Colin Sexton, SGA. They're all guys that were interviewed by the Suns but haven't kind of come into work out. I've which... got to think that those guys are going to come in at some point, right? Those point guards? If they don't, I would say it really lends weight to the Suns not using 16 um, to at right. least to at least draft at that position. Obviously, there's been rumors of them trading up from 16. There's been rumors of them putting it in a package for a, an existing player. So, if we don't see that those types of guys come in, I think we can 
you know, be more confident that the Suns aren't actually going to pick at 16. One thing McDonough said today, which I thought was interesting, was that they're going to have a better idea of who they're looking at at 16 when they decide on the number one pick, which they, he said they expect to do sometime this week. Yes. So that might be – we might be starting to get some clues about a lot of things at the end of next week. Yeah, and, I mean, it's no secret. I, I love to kind of look for those clues. So um, mm-hmm. when we're talking th- – you know, the rest of the guys at 31 plus 59, I think Holiday's definitely one to watch. Uh, I agree with you. I, I would hate the pick at 16, um, and I would be okay with the pick at 31. I, yeah, I just fine. I just don't really like Holiday all that much, to be to be honest. He's kind he of... Just, here's my problem with him. His stats are great. Yep. But when you... I mean, I watched a lot of UCLA, mostly because... Not mostly last year, because I loved Lonzo Ball so much. Yep. Uh, and... That guy never jumped off the page. I, I never was impressed by him at any point. Really. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was fine. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of that spark plug, six-man type guy, but real lack of size. and um, Right. I th- one thing that jumps off the page for me, I agree, he never was really on my radar throughout the college season. And then when you go back and watch tape, he hit so many ill-advised bad shots in the paint. Like, hmm. it was just crazy. And, you know, one thing you could say, well, he's going to be the next Isaiah Thomas because that's all Isaiah Thomas did in his kind of, you know, MVP type run was just hit tough shots. But, you know, if you look at these things, bounce around and roll in or, you know, go off the backboard when I I highly doubt he called glass. um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was just there was a lot of luck there, I thought. And so that's such an interesting thing, right? Because I I actually I've been thinking about this exact uh, idea a lot in the context of Josh Jackson because yep. I watched him so much last year and I at first I was like God he's making all these ridiculous stupid tough uh, over people laying shots on the off the backboard like, this can't continue and then it just kept happening I'm just, I'm starting to wonder like is this just a skill that he has Yeah and I think you know uh, uh, and people that love Holiday would probably bring that up as as a skill it's a big worry for me particularly mm-hmm. that it was in college so does it get even worse in the NBA like does he become right. You know, I, I've got in my notes, you know, uh, alarm bells, Brandon Knight. Um, you know, <laughs> does he become that type of player where it goes from, you know, ill-advised but but clutch shots to just just bad shots? And <laughs> right. that's the kind of player he looks like to me. Uh, so you add that with the fact that he's he's really only going to guard one position, and you know, he he's has length, but he's still probably too undersized to to slide up anywhere. Um, mm. So. Yeah, I really don't like Holiday. I, I'd i be fine with it at 31 if they're just looking for, you know, more shooting and a bit of a spark. But uh, if the Suns take him at 16 on draft day, I'll, our reaction pod will not be fun. Uh, yeah. Well, it might be fun to listen to. Stressed, <laughs> That's right? true. It might be fun for us. That's true. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, we're hitting up 55 minutes here. Should we go to the seven seconds or less? Yeah, I mean... Let's just quickly touch on a couple of 59 guys. Okay. Um, again, looking for clues. A guy like Metu, depending on what the Suns do early on, um, you know, he was interviewed at the Combine and, and did come in for a workout. He's kind of one of the only bigs that have, have come in so far. So I don't mind Metu if he can kind of keep his head on straight. He's, he's a good prospect. Uh, Diallo's another one. Uh, I'd really only be comfortable with him at 59 if he somehow gets there. Um, but he's one that uh, interviewed at the Combine, 
came in for a workout and I believe Pat Connolly was also at his pro day. So uh, there's quite a few guys at that pro day. So you never know who the sons are there to watch, but um, yeah. I think Robert Williams was there, right? Yes. Yeah. That would, that was kind of the, he was the main attraction. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you never know with that. Uh, And then I'll throw out some, some names that really have just come in for workouts and therefore put me on their radar. So um, Tony Carr's one, Devin Hall's another, I believe had a pretty good workout for the Suns. Um, Sphere, as I'm going to say his name, because there's no way I'm going to try and pronounce the rest yeah. of it. Uh, he's a, <laughs> I say Sphere. <laughs> any, anyone who wants to look it up, he's a, uh, a six, eight guy from Kansas. Uh, if you, if you want to find him, um, cause I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. Uh, I love this kid. Uh, he mm-hmm. shoots lights out. Um, actually quite a good first step off the dribble to to attack closeouts when he's you know really feeling it so and i just Mm -hmm. love his size as well so if he's there at 59 i'd definitely go there and uh one last name i'll throw out is william mcdowell white i've got to rep the australians on this pod uh he won't be on many people's radars but um if there are any australians listening he's the son of former footballer daryl white uh who Mm -hmm. was a uh a high leaping footballer in, in Aussie rules. Um, but yeah, McDowell White's kind of impressive. Uh, he wasn't... What's your favorite uh, Aussie rules football team? Uh, I'm a Hawks fan. Uh, okay. Which you're, is, not, you're not a Gold Coast Suns fan? I am not a Gold Coast Suns fan. <laughs> uh, they they have recently entered the league and, and maybe out uh, sooner than the Vancouver Grizzlies if they keep going this way. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bad. Uh, how do you know the Gold Coast Suns? I just I, I was I I don't remember what it was. a couple of years ago I just I became aware there was another Suns out there and I was excited about it. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, anyone listening looking to to pick an Aussie Rules team, I I wouldn't recommend the Gold Coast Suns. <laughs> you got to get on the ground floor. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, you might be getting on a on a, on a disappearing team pretty soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mc, McDowell White's interesting. He's six five. Um, played in Europe. Uh, really, really fun guy to watch. There's not a lot of film on YouTube, if if I'm honest. But uh, if you go and have a look, he's he's pretty eye catching. He makes some flashy passes, and uh, he's a really nice pick and roll type uh, point guard. So yeah, go check him out. Um, that's kind of he'll probably go undrafted, to be honest. But um, if he's coming in for a workout, he's obviously on the Suns' radar um, for one. Yeah, maybe he'll be on the summer league team. I, I would love that. I would watch that team for sure. He, I'm going to watch anyway. Let's be honest. Um, that's going to be a fun team, regardless of who they take. Definitely. They're going to play Jackson at least one game. They're going to have Bender probably, I imagine, and Chris out there. Yep. So that should be fun. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's some names for everyone listening. Um, go and have a look and uh, let us know what you think and, and who you're high on. But, uh, yeah, we should we should probably move on, hey? Yeah, we should. One thing I'll say, yeah, if there's anybody out there that you'd like us to look at and discuss, let us know on Twitter. And uh, we will do that. That's a great point. Time for the draft. Yeah, we've got a few more pods coming up before the draft. So, yeah, we would definitely love to touch on a few things from listeners. Cool. Let's move on to seven seconds or less. I'm on the clock. Let's do it. All right. I'll be quick. So, I'm keeping with the War Room theme here from our retro uh, Did You Know. Um, Okay. I'm going to take you inside the Phoenix front office uh, of past and present. So, now that we've covered the whole length of, uh, of this draft from a son's perspective, it's time to talk... Uh, picks. So in the past, uh, pre McDonough's reign, uh, there was was Earl Clark, as we mentioned before, at sixteen. There was uh, Keith at thirteen, Kendall Marshall at thirteen, and Ugh. then 
when McD has come along, there's uh, Len at five, TJ at 14, Tyler Ennis at 18, uh, Bogdan at 27, who never became a son, unfortunately. Uh, Alec Brown, uh, shout to, <laughs> to Reese on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Bender at four, Chris at eight, Ulyss at 34, Jackson at four, and Reed at 32, who I hope stays on the Suns roster, but things aren't looking good. You just, you, you just admitted Alec Peters, I hope you know. Next Larry Bird. I did, yes. Um, <laughs> so that's you kind of need a little bit of that background info there to, to jump into the question, so I'll, I'll get straight in. So number one, out of that group, which guy were you the most convinced was a great pick at the time but didn't work out? Oh, wow. Um, crap. Can we say Bender? Is that... <laughs> I think that's fine. I mean, I put him in there. I think Bender's. I still on on Bender Island, but uh, yeah, that's probably the name. I was really pumped about him. Okay, very pumped. So number two, you probably see where this is going, but uh, which guy were you the least convinced about? Was great, and maybe you approved right, maybe you approved a little wrong. What do, What do you think? I was 100% sure that the Kendall Marshall pick was idiotic at the time. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I've been proven very right by history. All right. Well, that that's at least not on McD's shoulders. That's on, uh, True. on the past True. front office. But, yeah, I can't say I was too pumped about that one either. It just – you just – I don't know. I don't want to get into Kendall Marshall. It makes you sad. <laughs> <laughs> He's a nice guy too, which is why I really Exactly. I know. Of, that's why I hate yeah, Jumping too. on him. All right. So, number three, in this draft – who do you feel the strongest about who's in play for the Suns is a great pick? And who do you think would be a bad pick for the Suns? Are you talking at one or are you talking about later? Any any guy that's in play for the Suns. Just give me who you real you know, you feel real strong about, either uh or you know, one good and one bad. Okay. I'll give you uh, and I'll give you fourteen seconds for this. <laughs> Thank you, because it's two answers. I feel really, really good about Jaron Jackson Jr. I think that guy is going to be a good NBA player almost no matter what because of his offensive four. We'll probably be talking about that a little more next episode. Yep. Uh, somebody who I'd feel really bad about. I mean, we talked about Aaron Holiday a lot already. That at 16 would be a problem. Uh, man, you're really testing me. Oh, you know what? I watched a lot of Raleigh Alkins today. He just reminds me of like too much of Eric Bledsoe in all the negative ways. I just don't think he's going to be any good. So that that'd be my answer. Okay. Cool. So I did. I, did, I, did I succeed? Was I under seven seconds for all those answers? I, I don't. I don't time myself. To be honest, <laughs> I didn't time you. But you're, we're you're a little all loose good. on that. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, please, if you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe. It really helps us out. You can follow me on Twitter at maxmcc11. You can follow David on Twitter at the Four Point Play. Uh, next week, not even next week, on Friday, we're going to be releasing our eight and deep dive. So uh, stay tuned for that. That should be fun. Uh, thanks, David. Thanks, Max.